T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Khalil Mack is one of the biggest, baddest dudes in the NFL. And from what I understand, one of the nicest guys at the superstar status in the NFL. But that, well, that opinion might be forever changed given a Halloween story we have for you later on. You won't believe it given what we've heard about that guy. Home and home radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out. The smartest way to hire without a doubt. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. A lot to come for you on the program, including the Tallahassee Democrat joining us to discuss what's next for Florida State. Can they actually get a top-tier coach despite what Yahoo Sports Pete Thamel told us in our number one? We'll also go down to 105.3 The Fan in Dallas to get reaction from the Cowboys' big win Monday night in New York How key was the black cat? We'll find out exactly what the Cowboys thought. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker is home in Pennsylvania. He was working the sidelines for the Giants-Cowboy game and failed to step up and make a play, change his life forever, go viral, change this podcast as we know it. But next time, Ross, I'm certain you'll do the right thing. You know what, Dave? I don't want to say I thought of it, but I do remember distinctly thinking, why are people not out there, you know, getting this cat? I mean, everybody just kind of stood around for a long time. I had things to do, people to see, sleep to try to get. I should have gone out there. And you're making me feel bad about this, man. You're right. Good. I would have been legendary. I would have been on every talk show. I would have been on everywhere, everywhere talking about what possessed me to go out there. What if I had actually grabbed the cat? That would have been amazing. Or if I fell on my keister trying to get the cat, that would have been equally amazing. Either way, I would have been a legend. And I blew it. I'm a loser. And I have to live with myself. I wish the cat was at my end. My end. Because I was down where the ball was. Cat was at my end. Maybe my instincts would have taken over. Uh, because I did show later on in the game my cat-like quickness to avoid what was nearly a, a death experience. Yes, Daniel Jones took out a parabolic Mike guy, but not Ross Tucker. He's got a Madden rating of 74. He has elusive cat-like reflexes, even though he doesn't like animals. Not a good human being, that Ross Tucker. But he does have some good advice for professional athletes when it comes to social media. And boy, is it needed more now than ever, because Jermaine Whitehead, the Browns safety, released yesterday after making threatening tweets after a devastating loss to the Denver Broncos. Whitehead played terrible in this ball game and had some people poke at him on Twitter regarding his poor tackling effort put on display on several runs, including a Noah Fant touchdown. It was a debacle for the Browns, in particular for Whitehead, and could perhaps end the safety's career if he can't step up and rehabilitate himself. So, social media rules. 
for professional athletes. Number one, from what we found out from our friends at 92.3, the fan in Cleveland yesterday, it was immediately after the game that Whitehead was in the locker room, still in pads, tells us, uh, we hear from his friends, still in pads, hadn't come down already on Twitter and not even always checking at replies, but it must have been searching for his name and searching for reaction, must have known that he had a terrible football game and was being attacked on Twitter. And here we go. If you're watching on radio.com, the app, this is some of the disgusting stuff that came from his Twitter account, which was later suspended. Again, come and get it in blood, bitch. Just a small sampling of the threats Whitehead made threatening lives, offering up the Browns complex address. So for me, rule number one, and I was never a professional athlete. My career stopped well uh, a, a bit before that in high school. Never, ever get on Twitter after you've had a bad day. And that applies to all of you. Whatever profession you work in, don't get on Twitter when you've had a bad day. Twitter is a vile, toxic, awful world. There are exceptions, like when Ross Tucker tweets out the glorious invention of a spicy mustard pump, which we can all agree is a brilliant game-changing adventure. But for the most part, Twitter is awful. Twitter's toxic. Twitter's terrible. And the people on Twitter are not often pointing out positives. So that's rule number one for me, Ross Tucker. Don't get on Twitter when you've had a bad day. And don't check your at replies if you are a sensitive human being. You never necessarily, correct me if I'm wrong, had to play in the NFL in the Twitter era, right? Correct. I think Twitter came out like a a year after I retired. I mean, I I retired, my last year was 07. I guess I technically retired in 08. Uh, And I think Twitter came out maybe a year or two after that, somewhere close to that. But I didn't have to deal, I wasn't on Facebook as a player, I, I was not on any social media. I just, I just kind of missed that. I'm 40 years old. I think people four or five years younger than me, they were on Facebook when they were in college. But mm-hmm. I just missed that. I know my sister-in-law, she was all about it when she was in college. Facebook was like a huge deal. I missed that. You know, it's weird because I think a lot of people, their initial reaction, Dave, would be, man, just don't be on social media at all. I totally disagree. Totally disagree. Mm-hmm. I think when you are an active player, you have an unprecedented and very rare opportunity to build a brand and to build a following that can help you in so many ways after that, whether you're trying to get a job, trying to monetize that following trying to promote uh, a a charity, whatever it is that you're into, I would never say to somebody that you should not be on social media if they're a professional athlete or even a big-time college athlete. I would say you absolutely should be on social media and that your social media following could be very valuable. I don't know, Dave. Last week, I texted about the Take 5 bar being the greatest candy bar of all time. We didn't even talk about this. When I got back no. from my college football duties over the weekend, when I got home on Sunday, I got a huge box from the Hershey's company of Take 5 Bars. 
huge. So for no other reason, you get free shit sometimes. And it's pretty <laughs> awesome. So you should think about it. Uh, but no, in all sincerity, you should absolutely, if you're a professional athlete and or big-time college athlete, be on social media. Just be very mindful of every single thing that you post and realize everybody's watching, everybody's looking at it. It is permanent. And do you want everybody in the world, including your grandmas, including strangers, to see what you're posting, to know that you posted that? That's number one. Number two, to your point, you know, you should probably just stay away from the mentions and certainly stay away from searching your name unless you have very thick skin and you can handle it. I do look at my mentions. I see people call me names if they don't agree with something I tweet. Um, I kind of shrug it off, laugh. Um, I know that it comes with the territory. I look at it as, frankly, an additional engagement for my metrics. Good. Yes, I'm a loser. Yes. Yes, I should delete my account. Yep, good. By the way, there are so many lame responses. Don't be the person that replies, delete your account. Or the person that says, um, hold my beer. Or, I mean, there's so many, like, lame, um, uh, this this tweet didn't last long. Uh, this this tweet didn't, what, what's the, what do they always say? This tweet didn't, didn't uh, age well. Didn't age, didn't age well. well. Yeah. yeah. You know what doesn't age well? Being the loser that goes around replying to tweets and saying, this tweet didn't age well. Dude, give me a break, bro. I mean, you're so, but if you're a player and you, at any level. you're probably losers and you come from a loser family. <laughs> but in all sincerity, you really, you can't check the mentions. Um Unless you've got very thick skin and you can handle it, yep. you're probably better off just not even going there. Yeah, and, and you just can never get on Twitter when you're emotional. Look, I work in the mornings in politics, and I hear it every day. And I know when I say something that might tick somebody off, I stay off of Twitter. And the worst part of it is, again, people rarely tweet at you anything positive if you say something insightful if you say something brilliant if you say something politically savvy but if you screw up they will guaranteed send you an uh, an at reply or even in my case and i'm sure in your case send you a clip of you screwing up yesterday i had the audacity of pronouncing pete Buttigieg wrong, which every national broadcaster has done at least a time or two. He's the South Bend, Indiana mayor running for president for the Democratic nomination, and everybody butchers his name. The second I did it, I was sent a clip by a very nice viewer who needed to remind me that I screwed up. Stay off of Twitter when you make a mistake. Stay off of Twitter when you're emotional. Don't check your at replies. Don't search for your name after you had a bad game. Any last rules, Ross? Uh, well, I gotta say, I haven't really been in this game because I was married once social media came out, but I would say, uh, try to think, I would say, uh, that is probably yet another reason to be on social media. 
um, especially if you're single. I think that there can be some significant benefits there. But also, keep in mind the type of um, person that reaches out to you to maybe begin a relationship of sorts on social media. So I, I would say that can both be a real positive and a real negative too. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a slippery slope. It's a double-edged sword. So uh, be careful out there, boys. Yes, married men, stay away from the ladies. You never know when you're getting a Manti Teo. They're often not real. It's called catfishing. A lot of those are fake. Just just, just take the advice, move on. Good advice from Ross Tucker on how to stay away from social media pitfalls as a professional athlete. So Jermaine Whitehead, done with the Browns. Deshaun Jackson looks like he has done this season for the Philadelphia Eagles. Not much of a season it was. Played really well in week one. A little bit of a contribution in week two. Was injured, returned last week. And now he's out again, torn abdominal. How devastating is this for the Philadelphia Eagles, who've gotten very little from the wide receiver position? We know about Nelson Aguilar's issues with catching the football, but it's not just that. Alshon Jeffrey looks like he is cooked. Well, Alshon Jeffrey uh, doesn't run very well, but more importantly, he had three drops himself on Sunday against the Chicago Bears which really hurt the Eagles. They were able to win anyway. But there's no question Aguilar, both Aguilar and Jeffrey, have been disappointing. And frankly, that's the way to describe this Deshaun Jackson situation. Now, it's always a little bit weird, Dave, to talk about medical situations like this because we're not privy to exactly what the diagnosis is or was in Deshaun Jackson's case, and what he was told initially before they didn't have surgery initially, you know, he met with the Eagles. And the Eagles put out a statement. He met with multiple, multiple other, you know, um, medical professionals as well. And after consulting with all of them, he or they made the decision not to have the surgery. And that is completely within your right as a player to make the best medical decision for you, especially after you got multiple opinions. At the time, there were people wondering whether or not he needed core muscle surgery and whether or not he should have that surgery. He elected to instead rehab it for seven weeks. Came back, Dave, lasted four plays. So clearly uh, that decision is not one that paid off. No way of knowing, you know, what all the different medical professionals said. No way of knowing if this was just a Deshaun Jackson thing or this is what the doctors told him. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter. It's what It's the route he elected to go, and now he's very likely done for the year. And frankly given how good the teams are in the NFC, like the Niners, like the Saints, to a lesser extent, maybe the Packers, the Vikings, really hard to see the Eagles as a legitimate Super Bowl contender without Deshaun Jackson. He was a difference-making player for them. They don't have what he provided in terms of stretching the field, 
the dynamic deep threat. And it's unfortunate because they got a very good team other than that. But it's hard for me to imagine them getting one of the top two seeds. Hard for me to imagine them winning multiple road playoff games without Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Although maybe if he has the surgery now, maybe, who knows, he could come back for the playoffs. Who knows? Uh, yeah, they are well positioned at the tight end spot, of course. Uh, Ertz and Goddard, 67 total catches. That is one more than the combination of uh, Alshon and Aguilar, who have caught 66. But for context, the New England Patriots are obviously lacking at the wide receiver position after Julian Edelman. Those two wide receivers, Edelman and Dorsett, have 86 catches, 20 more than the Eagles duo. So that is a big, weak spot for the Philadelphia Eagles. So surprised, Ross, that how we did not go out there and make an acquisition before the deadline, given that we saw Mohamed Sanu go to New England, and in particular that we saw Emmanuel Sanders go to San Francisco. You didn't have to give up a ton to get them. Beyond that, Josh Gordon, we're not exactly sure what went on in New England, but he is still a productive receiver. That much we can agree on. And the Seattle Seahawks picked him up, surprised at how he didn't make a move on him. And beyond that, I'm going to say something that I'm not proud of. I don't like it, but I do think the Philadelphia Eagles should kick the tires on, I hate that I'm saying it, Antonio Brown and WIP radio in Philadelphia actually had a poll about that this morning. Uh, Should the Eagles sign Antonio Brown so far, 6,100 votes, 54. Yes. 46. No. Now look, there are some big caveats here. Antonio Brown has not been cleared by the NFL has reportedly not even been interviewed by the NFL. There may have been some false reports out about that. So the NFL appears to be slow walking that situation. Perhaps they don't want him stepping on the football field this season. I just think if you're the Eagles, you got to at least do your due diligence on a player that is clearly a difference maker. If in fact you believe that Doug Peterson could keep him in line in that Eagles locker room. Am I nuts? You're not nuts, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think, frankly, uh, you know, the NFL is slow playing the interview process because they don't want him on the field this year. I wonder what would happen if the Eagles or any other team did sign him. I think that they realize that no team really wants to sign him until that investigation is completed. So they're not completing it. I mean – Uh, In all sincerity, Dave, what could possibly be the justification for not having even interviewed him at this point? Like, what's the argument? I don't know. I mean, it just feels to all of us like the NFL doesn't even want to go down that road. The investigation shouldn't take this long. All I can think of is they want to let this lawsuit now in Florida state court, uh, from his accuser. They want to let that play out. Uh, It seems like, look, I'm no Antonio Brown fan. I love the fact that people were dressing up as Antonio Clown Brown for Halloween. Great costume, by the way. But look, the guy at least deserves an investigation and either 
ban him for, for eight games, for 10 games, for a season, or let him get back in the game and make some money. I don't sure what the slow walking process accomplishes, denies him his rights, and kind of gives him a case as he goes through uh, all these complaints he has against now three teams. Yeah, and I don't think the Eagles should go there. Um, I think you make a good point. I mean, if if they had him and he was on the field and they were willing to deal with his issues and the negative reaction that they would get, mm-hmm. I think that he could give them a better chance to actually win those playoff games and go to the Super Bowl. I don't think they'll go there for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, some of them, by the way, similar to why they didn't put a claim in for Josh Gordon. You know, they could have claimed Josh Gordon. You know, when guys start to get cycled through this many organizations and they get this many chances, there's really almost no chance and no hope that they end up having success at their next stop. And I think once New England says, we, you know, New England is desperate for wide receiver help. And once they cut Antonio Brown, once they cut Josh Gordon, that's usually a pretty good indicator that there's no more value to be had because, Dave, they had already absorbed all the arrows from signing those guys. They'd already taken on all of that heat. Yeah, You had the guy. Why not just play him? Why not just keep him? Evidently, it wasn't worth it anymore. And once it's not worth it anymore to the Patriots, you should probably stay away from him yourself. Yeah, it will be interesting to see if any more reporting comes out about what ultimately broke that relationship between the Patriots and between Josh Gordon. By the way, you continue to see Tom Brady like just about every Instagram post from Antonio Brown, clearly an issue that is not sat well with Brady that the Patriots moved on from him, didn't try to stand by him through some of that. I mentioned the costume, Antonio Clown Brown on Halloween. Touche. AB actually responded to one parent who posted a picture on that, so give him credit for that. But there's another NFL Halloween story that disturbs me, and it's one of, you know this guy. When you were trick-or-treating back in the day, you were walking down the street, and everybody had this guy, the guy that didn't want to participate in Halloween. Some turned the lights off. Some just made it clear they, they were already asleep or just didn't want to participate in Halloween. But you can't do that when you're a public figure. You can't do that when thousands of people pay to wear your jersey, pay to see you play football, never miss one of your football games, and flat out worship you. And that's the case with the Bears' all-world linebacker, Khalil Mack. There was some video emerged from sports gossip on Twitter of a family walking down the street, trick-or-treating, all excited. Here comes Khalil Mack's house, and out front is a security guard just telling people that Khalil Mack is not participating in Halloween this season. So not only did he shut the gate, and go out of town or just turn off the lights and make it clear. He paid to have a security guard stand out there and tell kids he wasn't participating in Halloween. Why not spend the extra two, 300 bucks to buy full-size candy bars, 
to fully endear yourself to your loyal fan base in Chicago. I love this player, Khalil Mack. I can't think of a guy I like watching play more than Khalil. How do you justify this awful Halloween action, Ross? Um, I, I'm actually okay with this. Believe oh. it or not, I, I, I'm yeah. okay with this. Because what? typically, look, if you don't want to participate, he doesn't have kids, I don't think. He's single. You know, he probably wanted to go to bed. Maybe he was one of those guys that sleeps 12 hours from 8 to 8 or something, or actually 6 to 6, and he didn't want to be bothered. And I know most people just turn the lights off, and when you turn the lights off, people know not to come to your house, typically. When you're Khalil Mack and everybody in the neighborhood probably knows it's Khalil Mack's house, they look at it as an opportunity to try to go get some individual time maybe an autograph, maybe a picture with Khalil Mack. You don't know what it's like to be a star of that magnitude. Neither do I. But I'm sure he didn't want all kinds of strangers, A, finding out that that was his house if they didn't know, and B, they would not have just been there for candy. They would have wanted a picture. They would have wanted an autograph. He didn't want them on his property. He didn't want them using that as a window to try to get something from him. Dave, you don't know what it's like uh. to be a star. You don't know you don't know the hardships that we have to go through. You just don't know the stress and anxiety <laughs> when the paparazzi and the fans and I mean it's just uh. frankly it's a burden. Uh, the that some of us just have to deal with. Uh, that that's was why the I have such a long driveway, so that people don't feel like <laughs> walking up the hill to my house. I've lived here for seven years. I've never had one trick or treater, not one. Driveway is too you're... long. Driveway is too long, and it's up a hill, and nobody's doing it. And I'm okay with that. You know, the only thing that's sad about that, now that I think about it. My kids are never going to get that that part of the experience, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I know. might almost have to. I might almost have to like have some neighbors come over uh, and just say, "Hey, can you come over just so my kids one time can see what it's like for us to have trick or treaters?" But the thing is, is Dave, and you don't realize this, um, but when when you're adored by the public. Um, when millions and, you know, when men want to be with you and women want to be with you, um, you know, when men want to be, did I screw that up? <laughs> <laughs> it was getting uncomfortable. What are you, where are you going here? All right. Well, here's what I'm trying to say. Mulligan. When men want to be you and women <laughs> want to be with you. <laughs> okay. Um, that's like a line from way back. It just, it becomes a little tiresome. You know what I mean? So sometimes you have to handle security to just keep them at bay. It's, you know, I know you wouldn't understand it, but us superstars know what it's like. 
Yeah, it's a burden being Ross Tucker. Look, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt because I actually heard a story when I was complaining about this about a friend who went to college with Khalil Mack who ran into him at an ice cream shop and Khalil Mack started buying everyone their ice cream. So I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. I will not. Just have your fucking security guard with the big box of candy bars. No one has to ring your doorbell. No one has to want to take a selfie with you. No one has to have an autograph or at least be that jerk that leaves the big bowl out there and knows the first kid's going to take the bowl, pour it all in his bag and beat it out of there. At least you can say I made an effort to be neighborly and to be part of this community. Come on, Khalil Mack. The kids are counting on you. You can do better, Khalil Mack. We'll give you a pass this year. Next year, get it better, Khalil Mack. Uh, you know what I love about Khalil Mack? He got the security guard from ZipRecruiter. Because ZipRecruiter doesn't, doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Khalil posted his job on ZipRecruiter and was impressed with how quickly he found qualified security applicants. He also used ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter his candidates so he could focus on the best ones. That's how Khalil found a new Halloween security get-off-my-yard guy in less than two weeks. <laughs> with results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So if you're keeping score at home, Ross Tucker's kids have never experienced the joy of a pet petting a dog, the unbridled love and enthusiasm they bring to you every time you get home, a nice dog in your lap while you're watching a movie and have never realized what it's like to hear trick or treat and hand down candy being Ross Tucker, foes. Hashtag being Ross Tucker. We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll go down to Tallahassee to find out what is going on with the Florida State program. Who might replace Willie Taggart now that they spent $20 million to buy him out? And quite frankly, who is Florida State in this era? Kurt Wheeler, Tallahassee Democrat on deck. So I'm going to give you guys some breaking news today. Uh, it's not going to be Bob Stoops, so stop talking about it. That was like the buzz of Twitter last night. And the reason why it's not going to be Bob Stoops is the reason why it's not going to be a ton of other high-profile coaches um, that they would target and covet. So Bob Stoops, when he was at Oklahoma, had one AD and one president the entire time. That may have changed with the president like right at the end. But I don't even think so. I think it was for however, like almost 15 years Bob Stoops was there. He had the most aligned, stable, and supportive administration. And the more you, the more I've, the longer I've done this, and the more I've gotten to know coaches and ads, they they talk about alignment more than it's more than it's lip service. They talk about alignment like it's a real thing because they know they need that stability to go forward. Florida State has no stability. It's it's being run like like a 
bandit Saturday Night Live sketch, uh, 1980s college football program. Like there is like the, the meddling seminal boosters with the shadow AD. There's an interim AD who came from the campus side. He's like a former political guy who is the chief of staff of the current president. And then there's the current president. All three of those guys, Andy Miller, James Thrasher, and Coburn, are all leaving likely within the next two years. So you're basically trying to get, you know, a coach who's like a $7 million a year guy and telling him to just jump into the complete unknown. That was Yahoo Sports' Pete Damble basically taking a blowtorch to the Florida State football program after they fired Willie Taggart in his second season, 9-12, and 12, didn't get to finish year number two, cost him $20 million to buy out Taggart and his staff. Who's next? Who is FSU today? Let's talk about it with Kurt Weiler, Tallahassee Democrat. Kurt, thanks for coming on. Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. Let's first get your response to what Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports said about it will not be Bob Stoops that replaces Willie Taggart and there is no stability in Tallahassee. Um, I mean, it's not exactly been a secret throughout the process that Bob Stoops is kind of the top target. Obviously, your top target's always going to be a guy who I'm not going to say is unattainable, but maybe is difficult to attain. You're always going to shoot high, obviously, especially at a place like Florida State, which is kind of widely regarded as, when everything's going right, a, a top job in college football, among the top jobs in college football, to be sure. Um, Florida State's situation in that regard is certainly something that could affect that. It's not a secret that, yes, I mean, as as Pete mentioned, the... the uh, Seminole Boosters, President Andy Miller, the FSU president, the FSU AD are probably all winding down in terms of their time here. The athletic director, David Coburn, even said something to that effect yesterday in his press conference. But to the credit of them, on their way out, they've done a good job of Florida State was kind of in a weird situation where the Seminole Boosters was in its own world for a long time. And under recently under David Coburn, a big thing he's done is unifying them into the FSUAA and bringing them together, which is something that you can pitch to the next coach of not having Seminole Boosters kind of in its own world anymore. So that is, I guess, a positive. But there's no doubt it's something that could be something that could scare coaches away. But I'm not even sure that's the thing that might scare coaches away i think to me the, the thing that might scare some people away more than anything is that they just fired a coach in less than two full seasons well and let's get into that um do you feel like it was fair to fire a college football coach in less than two years when he really didn't even get a chance to have his recruits for the most part get on the field yet well his recruits actually i will say have gotten on the field just an amount i think the big problem, and, and David Coburn, the athletic director, talked about it yesterday in his press conference, is, I mean, at a place like Florida State that, until Willie Tiger got here, it had a bowl streak of, I think, what, 36 years. It's, I mean, it, it, it's no doubt a place that's used to a certain level of success, fair or not, in today's college football, where, I mean, it's, you don't see streaks like that nowadays. There's, there's more parity than there was then, and, I mean, you just, it's harder to see things like that. A big thing David Coburn said was, the, that game, the Miami game, game 21, what ended up being Willie Taggart's final game, looked eerily similar to the Virginia Tech game, his first game back in 2018. And he's not wrong. I, it's the kind of thing, 
I think you look at less than two years is a pretty unprecedented window. People normally get, honestly, three. At the very least, I think you see people get two. But Florida State had its reasons, and Florida State felt good. And I think a big thing is Florida mm-hmm. State wants this hire done before the end of the season, and they felt that to make that happen, I, a big thing Dave Coburn says, well, frankly, 6-6 six and six isn't good enough. That Florida State could still go to a bowl this year. If they beat Boston College Saturday, they probably will. But they don't feel 6-6 six six is good enough. They don't feel that win would have saved his job. And I think there's even a sense that it'd be tougher to maybe justify firing him if he did get that win and was going to be bowl eligible. So you, you make the move now before yeah. it's a little harder to justify if you want to make the move. Talking to Kurt Weiler, Te- Tallahassee Democrat, you say they had their reasons. If you were to rank those reasons, is it where are on the field product, what we're seeing in the stands or what we heard from Pete Thamel, the pressure from that huge booster base? Mm, I mean, the on-field and they're really all tied together in a way. I mean, the on-field is definitely yeah. – the fact that it hasn't gotten any better, and I think you can make the case that from where he took over, and there's no doubt much has been made of, and rightfully so, kind of the mess of culture and whatnot that he inherited from Jimbo Fisher, who kind of was phoning it in his last year in Tallahassee a little bit. But he's he's helped in some ways, especially off the field culture. He took over a bad academic progress rating situation and has improved that, and you won't see the dividends of that for years, but I think the thought is he was big in that regard. He was big for accountability within the program, but I think Florida State saw it as his buyout this time next year would only be $5 million less. You're looking at the end of this year, it would have been $17 million in the neighborhood. Next year, it would have been twelve. I think Florida State saw entering what would have felt like a dead man walking third year for Willie Taggart. They would have lost more than $5 million in ticket sales, in parking, and everything that goes into hosting games next year they host florida and clemson so that's i mean it's their bigger year for their home schedule and where they can make money there and so i think all that ties into it and i mean booster pressure is everywhere that's not a florida state exclusive thing so i no. that plays a role too no doubt kurt how did it get this bad this fast i mean what what year was florida state in the national championship game with Jameis winston like six years ago yeah, well, they won the 2013 National Championship with James Winston, and the next year they had an undefeated regular season and were in the playoffs. They, I mean, they're five years removed from being in the first college football playoff. Much has been written about, I mean, it, it, it starts in a way with a coach who wasn't happy with what he felt, the support he was getting in Tallahassee, and I think he always, I mean, coming from being a coordinator at LSU in the SEC, always had his eyes on the, the difference in support that Florida State not being as old of a football program as a lot of those doesn't have that booster base and doesn't have, I mean, doesn't yet have a football-only facility. Plans are in the works, but, I mean, plans weren't in the works in 2017 when all this happened. And finally, after it seems like yearly flirtations with LSU, with whatever uh, SEC jobs are coming open, it finally happened in 2017 with, with uh, Texas A&M. And, I mean, you're looking at a guy in Willie Taggart who I think a lot of people were very high on. He was, I mean, he taught, he made much of being a fan of the program and he had done a good job. And I mean, he had done a good job everywhere he'd been in terms of leaving them better than he found them. He rebuilt Western Kentucky. He rebuilt USF. He, in one year had a, it gave it was only one year, a pretty significant turnaround at Oregon. I think the issue was he'd had just one year at that power five level. And I'm not sure he entirely knew what, 
being at a school of this caliber entailed. I think he, from his opening press conference, when he kind of called this not a rebuild but a realignment, he kind of had chances to temper expectations and didn't do so. And I'm not sure the Florida State fan base would have responded well to that, but he kind of never – there was never any tempering of those expectations. And so when Florida State looked like they did in that first game and they got beat 24-3 by Virginia Tech and, I mean, missed a bowl for the first time since 1981 at the end of the year – Everyone was kind of like, you didn't. It, yeah. it caught everyone off guard, right. and it, it's it's a long series of mistakes. Much has been written about of just the constant miscalculations. It feels like Willie Taggart and his staff made, on top of the Kurt mess yeah. that may have well, been a bigger want, deal than what it was. Kurt Weiler, Tallahassee Democrat, want to get a quick couple quick names you are hearing that might be on their radar. Um. Well. On top of the Bob Stoops and Pete Thamel, I, yeah. I, there it, I, from I mean I, there are still conversations. I'm not saying it's a done deal. It's not it's not a done deal either way. I think it's still somewhat up in the air. I think another name, Mark Stoops, former def- FSU defense coordinator, 2010 through 2012, is another name. I think you're looking at a Matt Campbell, Iowa State. I think you're looking at uh, I'm not sure Florida State goes the coordinator route, but if they did, Brett Venables, Tony Elliott, both at Clemson, are names you'd be hearing. I think another name that's been floated some that is interesting, it feels like he's a uh, a turmoil name of sorts. Year in and year out this time of year, it feels like you hear Gus Malzahn and what his future at Auburn holds. I think that's another interesting name to kind of be in the conversation because we'll see, I guess, how Auburn finishes its season. All right, Kurt Weiler, Tallahassee Democrat. Appreciate the insight on that. Let us know what you hear. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate that. Ross, what type of coach do you think? Now, uh, above all, we had a couple points being made by Pete Thamel before we got to Kurt, and it was not just that he says no way Bob Stoops goes there because of lack of stability, but he also said the top-tier candidates that Florida State would be after would not consider this job because of that lack of stability. So he didn't just say no Stoops. He said no to those top three or four names um, that they would like to target. Who do you think they can get and will get? Well, and I think it's interesting, too. I think everybody's saying Bob Stoops. I mean, literally, Dave, I'm driving home last night, and they're reporting that it's imminent and should be done by the end of the week, you know, for Bob Stoops in Florida State, which, by the way, we had Bob Stoops on the show. You can go back and listen on demand to anything we ever do here on home and home on radio.com, whether it's on the app where you just search home or you go to radio.com slash home, however you're listening or watching right now, you can go back and, and listen to the interview with Bob Stoops when he came on. And, you know, it just didn't seem like he was a guy that really wanted to coach college football to me anymore. I mean, otherwise, why would he have stopped at Oklahoma? And I asked him that. Why did he stop at Oklahoma? I think the XFL is not nearly the year-round time commitment that, you know, being a big-time Division I college head coach would be. I frankly would be surprised, and I think it would be weird. Don't you think it would be weird, Dave, if Bob Stoops Stoops did take the Florida State job? Like, why did you resign from Oklahoma – only to then take Florida State? That makes no sense. Why would you resign when you have Baker Mayfield and a great team and hand the keys to Lincoln Riley 
to go take over Florida State that's like bottomed out? I mean, unless you're really in the challenges and Oklahoma wasn't a challenge anymore, I, I don't get it. I, I don't know why you would do that. I didn't sense the energy required to go take over a program, deal with the recruiting trail, deal with the boosters, deal with coaching young men. That is a massive effort versus the the task that he's taking on in Dallas with the XFL. Uh, although I, I do think if Bob Stoops is to get back in it, I think it's just got to come with more trappings, a situation that is made to order. Look, there are a lot of recruits. We don't have to go into that. And the state of Florida is recruiting rich. But you're talking about a rebuild, man. I mean, a rebuild that's going to take years to fix things, get recruiting, get the facilities up to uh, where they are across the country. I just can't imagine all the factors going into the Florida State situation would work for Bob Stoops, but it's funny. You know, the names you see, one of the betting favorites was James Franklin. And my first reaction was, why the hell would James Franklin want to ever consider leaving that wonderful situation he has at Penn State to go down and take a rebuild? I don't think, it reminds me of Nebraska, Ross. Nebraska was so used to Tom Osborne was so used to being a top 10 football team that would compete for national championships that they just thought that would continue. And that's why they blew through so many coaches and may, in fact, blow through Scott Frost. Florida State's not what Florida State used to be. They're not that team that was in the top five for 14 straight years and made a bowl game for 30 straight years. I think they have to lower expectation. It sounds like they may have to lower expectation for who they get as Willie Taggart's replacement. Do you ever yeah. think a school of that level has that type of buyout again? Uh, you know what? I think that they're going to seriously look at it because it really doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, they can still get a lot of guys to take that job, right? It's still Florida State. It's still in the state of Florida – winning tradition, that recruiting base. Kids love the uniforms. They remember not that long ago when they were in elementary school, when Jameis Winston was there and Kelvin Benjamin, and they were awesome. So I think it's a good job in that sense. Do I think guys that have a lot of options or already have really good jobs like James Franklin would do that? No. Uh, that would surprise yeah. me. What you're going to get is you're going to get somebody uh, that does not have a blue blood job. Now, could that be a Matt Rule at Baylor? Maybe, but I think it's interesting, Dave, and this is a, 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 a fun part of this conversation, is NFL versus college, right? Like college, you're usually going to get more time, usually, and if you turn it around and build it, you'll be there for a while. Whereas in the NFL, it's really year to year. The flip side, though, is college is nonstop. College, you are dealing with parents and recruiting and boosters and all kinds of things. And it never ends. You're basically a politician. And you have to always be on. In the NFL, the offseason's not that bad. You get a bunch of time off in the summer before camp. 
You're not dealing with recruiting. You're not on the road all the time. I think most coaches would tell you that, especially assistants, but they would tell you that NFL jobs are better jobs unless perhaps you are the king of your kingdom, like Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, or now a guy like Ryan Day in Columbus, Ohio. Once you be, once you get to that status where you're kind mm-hmm. of the king of your kingdom, that's pretty good too. And you don't have to go out that much, but it takes a while to get it there. Yeah. And if you're Lincoln Riley, you can make $6 million a year in Norman, Oklahoma and compete for a national title every year and have a statue built after you and probably a stadium and, and probably run for governor when you're done. Sign me up for a college job. I'm never leaving for the NFL. An NFL team that is in the market for a coach is, of course, the Washington Redskins. And they also have a massive issue on their hands between management and their prized left tackle Trent Williams who did report to the team, as we've told you before on this program, but has not practiced, still had the issue with the helmet because of the growth that they found years back. And this situation has just gotten so complex and so bitter. And Trent Williams revealed this past week that, in fact, it was a form of cancer that he had and that the doctors for the Washington Redskins in his estimation mishandled this situation. Well, now the NFL PA has gotten involved and they are even accusing the NFL network of providing some disinformation. Everyone in the football world thought the Washington Redskins would trade Trent Williams for a first round pick to the Cleveland Browns before the deadline. They did not do it and are clearly trying to prove a point with Trent Williams where is the situation going? What does it tell you about that organization, how they value players' health? Well, it's been a rough couple weeks for the NFL, Dave, and this is something that I'm writing about for my column this week. I mean, you think about mm. Kaleche Osemele and the Jets and their dispute over his shoulder surgery. You think about the Chargers initially – Docking Russell Okung his pay 60% after he had a pulmonary embolism, blood clots in his lungs, just because they could. You think about the Bengals and Cordy Glenn having a dispute over his concussion-like symptoms. It's been rough, and I'm not sure any of them are as big a news, big a stories as Trent Williams and the Redskins. It just seems weird, doesn't it, that as the NFL is constantly, constantly touting health and safety as a priority and currently collectively bargaining to try to go ahead and get an extra game each season, that you've got all these situations going on, it's an unbelievably bad look for the NFL and these individual teams. Dave, I've told you this before. If I ran a team, I'd be pretty hardcore, man. If you hold out, I'd fine you the max amount. If you weren't playing very well, I would come to you for a pay cut. I get it. Business is business. But man, oh man, these teams, to fight with these players on health issues, I just don't think is a very smart business decision. I think it sends a terrible message to everybody with the Redskins, everybody with the Jets, 
so forth and so on. I mean, somebody told Charlie Casserly the information that he put out there on NFL Network. Just such a bad look. I mean, Trent Williams is their best player, right? Like, why do you want to be in this dispute, in this fight, with your best player who had cancer? I mean, I, I, I don't know how you can possibly come out looking good if you're the Redskins. Your best player, he had cancer. And now, in fairness to them, Dave, I'm sure we're obviously not privy to all the conversations, discussions, and what was said. I do know, though, that if I was running the Redskins, I would like to think I would have somehow made this right for Trent Williams before it got to this point. Yeah, I just think we've talked a lot about player empowerment across the league from Jadavian Clowney to Jalen Ramsey and all these players, Antonio Brown, who are able to take control of their situation, force themselves out of a situation they don't want to be in and into one they do want to be in. It's kind of a false narrative because the player empowerment movement really only applies to those handful of skill position, shiny object guys, and maybe edge pass rushers like Jadavian Clowney. The truth is player empowerment is, 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 is the minority of players. And I think Trent Williams and I think Russell Okung and Kalechi Osimile and the guys you talked about might be actually the more common handling of players. And that may just further players desire to stick it to the team whenever they can, because they know they are treated like a piece of meat at the end of the day. And, and, and the, the baffling point is with the Washington Redskins is you could have set this guy on a course that he wanted, got a first round pick for him, maybe even beyond that. Everyone would have been happy, but the Washington Redskins just want to prove a point. And it is a mystery how that situation ends 31 years old, wants a new contract, could end up stuck there with miserable management in Washington. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll stay in that division. We'll talk to Kevin Hagelin, though, about the Dallas Cowboys. Big win last night over the New York Giants at MetLife. The Black Cat, Jerry Jones, Zeke Elliott, and the slow starts. How big a problem will that be for the Cowboys moving forward? 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, right after the break. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.